Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 59, for Monday, April 4th, 2016. Folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in sunny Los Gatos, California, is Paul Kent. Your voice sounds like you gigged this weekend, my friend. I actually, this is one of the bigger stretches I've had. I did three three hour solo acoustics in a row. Wow. That's first a lot, one, man. Yeah, yeah. The first one was a, a benefit, and it was good. The second one was I got called at the last minute to. Do one of the towns here does a first Friday where they have six or seven um, uh, performers on the on their downtown street spread out. So I filled in for that. That was that was just okay. Wow. And and then um, I did a solo um, restaurant gig on Saturday night. That was really a lot of fun. But yeah, they were all three hours. Uh, I was I, my voice was pretty tired um, by the end of the third hour. I still. It's amazing to me. And I, I went to see a friend of mine who's in Broadway, who's doing uh, School of Rock. Yep. And he, he's awesome. And he's doing seven shows a week. You know, he came out with us one night, but, you know, his throat is wrapped in a, in a scarf and he talks very selectively. And mm. he says he, has, he really has no life. Like part of, part of that gig is taking care of yourself 24-7. I just, the, you know, those types of, high demand things are really, it's impressive that people can do them. Yeah. And, and Broadway is more scrutinized, I'll say than many rock and roll singers, not every rock. I mean, some, there's some rock and roll singers that absolutely have to take care of their, their voices because they've got to be pristine. But, but in a general sense, you can kind of, you know, be a little looser, but yeah, those Broadway, I mean, that's, if you, if you aren't a hundred percent, man, that's it's bad news. You probably have yep. to you, you you probably have to you know uh, sub it out, which in that world is you know your understudy takes it. But that's, absolutely, but that you don't want to get in the habit of that because then guess who's got your gig? <laughs> it's the same problem yep. as subbing it out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and <clears throat> do you remember when we had Cheap Trick play at uh, Macworld? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, before the gig, you know, I was backstage and uh, saying hi to a couple of the guys, and uh, there was this. Uh, this aura around this one room where Robin Zander was in his warm up routine. And he does, he does a full on pro singer, like warm your voice up in a very methodical way. And uh, so there's certainly are rock singers who, of course, yeah. you know, I, I would bet probably more than you would think because there's, it, it's just such a demanding gig. It's true. Yeah. I always, uh, you know, Getty Lee uh, of rush said, I'm a rush fan. Did I mention that? Have I ever mentioned that on the show? I think maybe it's come up once or twice. Once or twice. Yeah. And I know when he's on the road, he, it it's just, he has to be really diligent about his, just not only caring for his voice and, and not stressing it when he's not singing, but also what does his diet consist of? You know, he's found the things that make it so that he can't sing well. And it's like, okay, well, I just have to avoid a hundred percent of those while I'm on the road. Right. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, listen, that it's your gig. It's and, and just like this, you know, your Broadway friend. I mean, that, that I assume that's that's his gig. That's not that's some part time thing. Yeah. No, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's his gig. So, yeah, when it becomes a full time thing, a lot changes and, and it probably a lot changes on your way to it becoming a full time thing, because you typically won't just find yourself there if you didn't work a little bit and weren't somewhat intentional about saying, yes, I want to do this. And part of doing this means being able to continue to do it. So I can't go and just like shred my throat every night. I got to figure this out. So, well, it's actually an interesting, I have have three thoughts on this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So especially like with Getty and with Xander, you know, they're singing a lot. They they have found the, the keys to getting into the upper reaches of their range. Right. Sure. You know, Getty's singing voice and Getty's talking voice, there's a connection there. But everybody knows Rush, you know, Getty is just up there. Yeah. And not not as up there as he used to be. Uh, You know, I mean, he's had to change some of those older tunes because he just can't screech like he used to. But no doubt. But but what I'm saying is is that it's probably it's not a screech, actually. It's it's actually 
there's a technique to it. And so I, I would actually say what you're saying about if you're a pro, you probably do this. It's for all aspects. It's probably, it is proper preparation. And, and I, I was, when you were saying that, here's what I was thinking. We sometimes have a conversation in my band about, and you've actually done this on, on our Facebook page. We're talking about starting slow or starting easy or easing into things or, yeah. or, you know, guys say, I can't sing that first song of the night or, you know, all these types of things. And that actually is, I mean, if you go, if you go see a pro show, they come out and that first song is usually a pretty, a pretty grabbing song. You know, yeah. pros don't, the pros don't ease into the night. No, and, it's, uh, it's the wrong decision. 99% of the time. To but ease if the, into if the, the night. reason you're, if the reason you're easing into the night is because you don't warm up and you don't have the discipline oh. to warm up, that's <laughs> not cool. No, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you should be ready. The moment you hit the stage, you should be ready to yeah. to deliver whatever you need to deliver. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. So, okay, so let's talk about this a, a little bit. And, and I have a feeling our conversation today is going to be somewhat scattered because we're already scattered off of whatever agenda we might have had before we pressed the red button. Um, <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, no, this is good, though. So I, I, I want to I, I ask you a couple of things. But first... You you had three gigs this weekend. What do you do? I mean, that's a lot of singing. I've never done that much singing, you know, in a row. I've pl certainly played three gig stretches. I've played 10 gig stretches, but not with with me as the only or even primary singer. Mm -hmm. So how do you like, how do you work that? And I know it's acoustic and you don't have to belt, but you probably don't have to belt if you do it right in a, I'm just going to let you talk. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is where, uh, the the voice lessons have really come in handy. It's mm. like, what do you do to to warm up? Like, if if you didn't know better, you would probably just sing. And um, while that's certainly better than nothing, there are certain things that you can do. You know these these you know these these motorboat yeah. sounds. Yeah. That's that's every voice singer I've ever had goes back to that as a way to really warm up the vibration, the buzz. And I think I told you this. I love this because this is the best singing advice I've ever gotten. It's all about the buzz. Mm -hmm. It's all about that, that control of the vibration more than it is about, about anything else more than it is. I mean, breathing's obviously very important, all this type of stuff, but they all kind of lock in when you, when you uh, have the perspective that it's all about controlling, aiming the, the buzz that's that you're creating. And so the first answer is on the way to these solo gigs, I do those in the car on the way there. Yes. And again, you know, it, it's 15 to 20 minutes and that's, you know, you're not going to get much more return for doing it for 30 minutes. Right. And you do those, those motorboat sounds. You can even do them to a melody is even better. Yep. Um, and that's, that's, that's the short and simple of my warm up process for these types of things. That's a good, I, that, that is a good warm up. It, it obviously every, theater show of which I'm a part, if I'm there for the vocal warm up, that's what it starts with. And and then it's just things to get people stretching out their range, but, but doing it. And I can't I actually can't make that motorboat sound all that well, because I, I it's, it's the one lingering after effect of having had Bell's palsy, whatever it was like eight years uh. ago or something. Yeah. It's just like that part of my mouth just doesn't work quite right. I can sort of do it, but I'm not going to try here. Um, cause I don't want to scare you all, but, uh, but that I, I can do an, a, something close to that. And it, it definitely helps cause it keeps you by having your lips closed. You're not going to blow out your throat mm -hmm. while you're warming things up. And that's the key is, is to stretch things out in a gradual and controlled way as opposed to just trying to belt. So, yeah. And, and remember everything that, that if you look at online, like there's tons of really good resources on YouTube. There's, a, you know, there's lots of online courses, this type of stuff. You you go back to this blowing yourself out thing, and I think that's kind of the point is is when you really are mastering your instrument, you're not blowing yourself out. No, you're you're you're, you're it's a very controlled and relaxed thing. And the thing that you learn as an amateur singer once you kind of get into this thing is a, that a lot of the affectations that you see in your favorite singers are much more visual than they are mechanical. That's right. A, yeah. A lot of the digging in that you see your favorite singers do, um, you know, it, it, it could be genuine. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not, but it's rarely as much about a strain. A strain is kind of the amateur um, uh, interpretation of what's going on. And the reason you do that is, is when you're not when you don't know any better by pushing, 
you can do some things that you can't ordinarily do. You can hit some higher notes by pushing, you know, even though it's not the best thing for you. Right. But it's a but, shortcut, but, but that's all it is. Yeah. 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 And short being the, the, oper- the, the, the operating word, because you're not going to keep doing that 10 years from now. You're not going to be taking that same. You'll shortcut. pay the price. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that was actually my first thought about this is that, um, Warming up is not just for pros. I mean, you know, you'd like to think, ideally, you're re- you're ready to take the stage and you're ready to hit hard. Yeah. But I've, you know, most bands that I've have ever been in or been around, oh, let's take the first couple of songs to warm up or or get into it or something like that. That's that's like a bugaboo for me. That's that you know that's like why 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 are we wasting the audience's time on you warming up? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I understand where it comes from, because usually if you're playing like a club gig, you don't have an empty room for a warm up for the band. Right. For each member to warm themselves up. And I want to talk about instrumentally warming up as well as as vocally, which is where we are now, obviously. But uh, you just don't have time for that. But so you have to figure out how to make room for that. And, And like you vocally, I warm up in the car. There's no other. I mean, where else are you going to do it? Maybe you can like hide in the kitchen at the club somewhere. I, you know, but a lot of times, and even that's not an option. You know, so you got to if you got to warm up, you got to do it in the car, and you got to come up with, like you said, I know when I'm ten minutes out from the gig, that's when I have to start my warm up, or ten minutes from when I'm going to get off the highway, because you know I don't want to be warming up while I'm like driving on side streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always and and I do I do the same little buzzy exercises and then. I sing the same REM song twice and it's finest work song. And it just, for me, for my voice, it's perfect because I can sing the lead part the first time through. It's nice and low, easy for me. By the time I'm finished with it, I'm my, my chest feels, you know, full and warm, very relaxed. And then I can hit the harmonies the second time through. And it's like, all right, sweet. I'm ready to go for the gig. No problem. Yep. What about for drums? Do you actually have a, like a, a pad or something? Um, well, I, I do. I rarely bring it to gigs. I have a drum stool, which functions perfectly as a pad. Uh, but really I've found for, for, uh, drums, the more important than playing right at the gig at the gig, I do stretches. I, you know, I just kind of take the sticks in my hand and, and bend them around in different ways just to make sure things are loose and understand if there's like a muscle that needs to be, you know, loosened up. But what really makes a difference for me is sitting down like once I get my car packed up or if you don't have this option before you pack your drums up, I sit down at my practice kit or my regular kit and I play for 15 minutes, maybe not even five minutes is usually enough just to get like the brain in sync with all of the limbs and like, oh, yeah, you know, the first time I do this today isn't going to be you know, on a stage somewhere, it's right here. I can sort of play around a little bit and, oh yeah, that's right. Okay. That's how things feel when they bounce today. You know, that kind of thing, just getting it in my head. That's enough. Even though it's, you know, oftentimes three, maybe four hours before the downbeat, it's okay. It, you know, I've, I've done it. And when I go and I play that downbeat, if that's the first time I've actually played in the club, I'm fine. Uh, You know, Mm. it's no problem. But that, but you know, you got to learn this about yourself. You just got to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. I stumbled yeah. into it one day. I, I played and I got to the gig. I'm like, Whoa, everything's working great. <laughs> like, Hey, ding, ding, ding. You know, there you go. Yeah. Rarely does the warm up have to be right up until the moment you take the stage. No. I mean, sometimes for some things, it's just getting the blood flowing and you know, an hour before sometimes can happen. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody will have their own routine as to what works well. What, for what's them. your, what's your, um, guitar warm up routine. Of course you have an easier time because your instrument doesn't have to make a ton of noise. Right. Um, I'll, I'll usually take my guitar and just run scales just to get the blood flowing yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not working on parts or anything like that. It's literally, it's more mechanical than anything else. And um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly, I, I don't ha- carry too much of the lead chores in, in the house. Mm. There's some. Yeah. So, so you know, there's a little bit more forgiving for me, Sure. but we, you know, our sound checks are usually three or four songs. Okay, yeah. So you're getting a nice long stretch of a sound check, yeah, yeah. Well, let me say, when we get a sound check, right? It's three or four. In places where we can't make any noise until downbeat, yep. You know, then I'm kind of just standing there while we're doing line checks, and I'm just kind of running some some scales or some lines with the volume off, kind of thing. Yeah, yep, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I have found, and this has been a, I, I would, and in fact, I've started just recently though, intentionally working on this. Uh, 
I have found for whatever reason, if the first groove of the night, be it a rehearsal or a gig, it doesn't obviously doesn't matter if it's a shuffle. I'm a disaster. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Right. I mean, you, once I'm warmed up and we played a couple of tunes, I can play a great shuffle. I've, I, but the shuffle was like of all the grooves that exist. That was the one I got the most recently in my life. Right. I mean, you know, of all the kind of standard grooves that exist, but it's still like I've been playing shuffles, you know, well for, I don't know, 15 years or something, you know, it's, give me, give me a song. That would be a tough one for you to start with. What's a good, what's a, what's a shuffle song that you might start with? Uh, the, we've been, for whatever reason, Russ has been starting fling practices with can't get enough for your love. Mm. And, and it's a, you know, it, I mean, that's just a loose rock shuffle, right? You know, it's, I mean, it's not even like a Texas double shuffle, like pride and joy. Right. But that also would be the, the rock shuffle. The loose rock shuffle is harder for me than the double shuffle kind of pride and joy, Texas, you know, thing going on. Uh, but it's that, that, uh, that, that loose shuffle. I don't know. It, I think it's because that you're, I'm playing less. Right. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm swinging the, the, the triplets as they're meant to be swung and the same with the kick and the snare. There's, there's not, it's not just driving, but it needs to drive. And I think that's where the problem is for me is I just, you know, I'm my, my limbs truly aren't warm and just, you know, I need to like get things going and then I can feel more confident about playing that sort of more open um, thing. But yeah. Last couple of rehearsals, he's done it. And I said to him, like, you know, this is the hardest thing for me to do. He's like, no, I don't think about it. Like, that's I, I guess that's OK. I don't know. How about um, how about the, the process of mental preparation? Like there's there's the mechanical preparation, yep. warming your voice up, warming your fingers up. But what do you do to kind of like get in the zone to be focused for a gig? Um, well, I, it, that's a good question. It depends. Some of the bands I write the set list so that. Even if it happens the day before, that starts that process for me, you know, like yeah. with fling, um, especially because I it, it's up to me for the most part. Russ really does help shoulder the load, to be fair. But um, mid gig, it's up to me to make sure things keep flowing. And so writing the set list is great preparation for that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure there's I'm sure there's things I do. I just haven't thought about them. Uh, I recently, anyway, I do them so often that I, I feel pretty comfortable going on stage, but a lot of it is, um, and, and I, I suppose this is true of, of anybody that, you know, does anything or, or even athletes, right. You know, you see the kicker do his crazy little stance and you see people in the batting box doing their rituals and those yeah. rituals are, are it right. And, but part of that ritual it for me is setting up my kit, right. You know, I get to go through this process and it's like, okay, but in doing that, I've sort of automatically checked everything and made sure everything is where it needs to be. And okay, I'm not missing anything. My stool's in the right spot. You know, my snare's where it's supposed to be. Everything feels comfortable. Even if I can't play, I can sort of sit down and, you know, just sort of make sure, okay, yep, stuff's where I think it's going to be. I could close my eyes and play this and it would be fine. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, there is, there's that, I mean, I couldn't avoid the ritual unless I hired somebody to set up my drums, <laughs> but, yeah. but it, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. me, it's, um, you bring up the batter's box, which is actually a really apt, um, yeah. um, example. So, you know, for me, since I lead the band, there's, uh, there might be something special that I have prepared that I want to say to introduce a song or introduce a person. Sure. I have to, and you know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. And so, so things that I like memorization is really brutal for me. So I might write out something and then I'll actually backstage kind of walk it, but I don't want it to sound, I don't want it to sound rote and, and overly structured or overly rehearsed. Sure. You and want so it to I'm sound natural. To, yeah. Natural. Right. And so, you know, do I have to remember someone's birthday tonight? Do I have to, you know, announce another gig? Is there something different I want to do when I introduce the band members? So there's all those kind of like the show things yep. that are part of my focus. Yep. It actually, you know, to be fair, might be the hardest thing for me. I mean, the number of times when I'm doing the band intros and I have told myself 2,500 times leading up to the show to remember to say this or acknowledge this. And then in the heat of the moment, it's you just forget. gone. It's gone. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that that's, you know, I mean, to say it's the hardest part isn't necessarily the case if you factor in all the hours of practice that you put in since you were a kid, right, in, t in terms of being able to play the guitar and, and singing. But 
on the day of the gig. That's ab- I would say that's absolutely the hardest thing to to work on uh, for me, because some gigs I don't have to do it. Like when I play with Chafed, I am just the drummer. Heck, I don't even sing most harmonies in Chafed. Right. So I, I and it's it's blissful because I just get to go and play. I don't have to worry about writing the set list. I don't have to worry about anything. It's just I just yeah. show up and play the drums. Now, I might not always be playing the songs I want to play or the songs I'm most rehearsed at, you know, because I don't know the set list until Matt calls the next song. But, you know, there's a there's you know, it's a double edged sword that I and I like the other edge of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the music actually becomes the easiest part of it, because if you've rehearsed and, you know, yeah, it's just kind of flows from within, you know, your brain kind of kicks in taking over the autopilot for the music part of most things. Right. Right. It, it's when you're not rehearsed that you're going to pay the price because then you're forced to think. And if you're forced to think, you're pretty much dead. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think, just concentrate. The immortal words of uh, Jocko. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, so this is good stuff. I mean, preparation, physical preparation, vocal preparation, mental preparation. We talk about, you know, what what separates a, a, a good band from an average band. I, a friend of mine is writing a book about marketing for musicians and he, uh, he did it. I did an interview with him and we're going to get him on the show, by the way, he's, he's a really very passionate about helping musicians. He's a really good guy. And um, he sent me a follow-up question. He said, what is, what is the biggest barrier to getting gigs? And oh. I thought about it for a while. And my answer was that this particular market, this particular profession doesn't discern between the professional and the amateur terribly effectively, you know, playing clubs, you know, playing at this level. I mean, obviously you're not going to get a whole lot of amateurs, you know, on stage in front of 10,000 people. It could be argued though. (laughs) They they are only professionals because they're being paid and everything else about it makes them, I mean, truly right. I mean, take the whole punk, you know, genre, Right. I mean, it, I get that that's been refined over the years, but when that started, I mean, it was about people that just emoted passion without really having any skill with the instrument, I agree. Uh, you know, or any training with the instrument. I don't want to say they didn't have skill because it, it, it resonated with so many people. It, you know, it, it was a valuable thing, but you know, you compare them to someone who's studied all their lives and never played a gig. Well, who's the better guitar player? Uh, well, let, let's, let's try this then, you know, yeah. in order to get into those 10,000 person gigs, probably other people are making a decision or a bet with their money as to yes. whether, right. So let, let's just yeah, set you that didn't aside. Fall you into this. Right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Someone made a bet. That's right. Yep. But in general, being a local working musician, you know, trying to get club gates, trying to get casuals, trying to get corporate dates, just trying to keep busy and keep working that line uh, uh, discerning between the, the true like casual weekend warrior versus the committed weekend warrior versus the, this is how I put food in my table guy um, is an interesting thing. And that to me is, is the hardest thing you can work really hard. And someone always has a brother who used to play bass when he was in in junior high school and they get the gig, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, because you're presenting your end result product to people that have generally to people who have not put in any time to learn how to do what it is you do. Right. So they they don't necessarily they know they enjoyed what they just saw. They don't care if it took you five minutes to figure out how to do that or five years. Right. You know, I mean, I don't want again, this is a harsh generalization and is not true in many scenarios, but. It is sort of the, the general truth that, you know, you're, you're playing for an audience. And is, if you can entertain them, then you're done. It doesn't matter if you're a virtuoso or not. Yeah. So that, 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 that's kind of my point is yep. this, this arena of thinking about what do you do to separate? How do you stand out? How do you um, distinguish yourself as a band? So I thought a little conversation about about the the thinking the you know preparation would be one of the things that will happen yeah but especially now that I'm a, a little bit on the other side of things you know I, I shared with you I'm helping to run this um, community concert series in my town for the summer yeah and uh, so I'm seeing how a lot of bands who I've never had any kind of business dealing with you know if they know if there are people who know me 
a lot of the requests are coming in through me. Of course. And it's really kind of an interesting, um, it's a bunch of interesting dynamics. And so, you know, I thought a few minutes to kind of talk about, maybe help people think about this concept of standing out. If you do not, you know, one way you can stand out is if you have great contacts. So if you never practice and you're not <laughs> not committed to um, improving your craft, but your brother owns the club, this conversation may not be for you. You're standing out by definition by you have an in. Well, and but just be aware of that in, right? Because that that's an important, a huge part. When you were kind of setting this up and you said, you know, if you're just out there trying to get gigs, trying to get casuals, trying to get corporate gigs, whatever it is, it's like, well, that's one way of standing out, right? Is, yeah. You know, whatever. Your network. Your network, right. Whatever it is, that's really important. I mean, it's hugely important because – you know, for me, if if I'm talking to somebody or anybody, any of us are talking to someone about booking fling, it's like, OK, we're a five piece rock band. Awesome. So that's not any, you know, that's not unique. What why right. is it that we should book you as opposed to this guy that was here a month ago that we already know? It, and let's you know. pause right there, because number one, are you asking yourself that question would be, the you know, so many people mm. are like we're great, you know. And that, that's actually where we have to start is look at yourself, look at your product, look at your band. How do you stand out? Yeah. So, yeah, if I, I was going to describe fling, I wouldn't just say <clears throat> we're a five piece rock band because what would you do? I would say uh, we're a, a five piece rock band with a keyboard player and great harmonies throughout. We play songs that cool. people know and we're really entertaining. So here's my response to that. Yeah. That is, that is a great answer, A, because it's truthful. Right. So the, the deal is this, is I think a lot of people get stuck in thinking, you know, when they have to talk about how they stand out, that it has to be something that makes you completely and entirely different from everybody else in the world. Hmm. And that's and then that's when you start getting into the marketing speak and, you know, the really poorly written websites and the really, you know, yeah. the, Bay, the Bay Area's premier this, the, you know, it, all the stuff. And I think that that's that's when you end up actually going back down into the muck. Sure. So so the first tip I would say for people, you know, wanting to figure out how to make their band stand out, assess your band. What are your strengths? And come up with a list of, you know, preferably three to five strengths or unique characteristics. Yep. And be prepared to tell that story um, convincingly. Which well, that's you don't the want. key is, you, yeah, telling it with confidence. This is what right. we are. And then stop talking. That's stop it. Talking. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like that's, I said, there's nothing, that exudes there's nothing more worse. confidence than, and we, we're very bad at it here. We're not confident people. But stopping, <laughs> when, you've, when you've said something, stop talking. Yeah. That's it. So take the inventory. Do you sing well? Do you have a beautiful male or female lead singer? Have you won any awards? Has your band, you know, been noted for anything? Have you um, been selected? Did you beat out other bands for a particularly unique gig? And do you know why that you did that? Right. Just, and it, do you know why? Yes. Yeah. Well, can you can you tell a story that sounds convincing about why yeah. you did that? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And and so I think that the the, the high level tips are two things. One, take an honest asset, assessment of group and think about what you have. Right. Yep. And the second thing is tell the truth. And, you know, be concise in, in what is unique about you. Now, here's the deal. Um, if there is nothing unique about you, be prepared to pay the cost of that decision. So if you are a four-piece classic rock band playing hits of the 60s and 70s, and uh, there are 50 more of those in your area, you know, you, you, if you don't have a story to tell... Don't expect any different. It's like any product that you might manufacture anywhere. Why does the market need it? Why does the market need another classic rock band with two guitars? Yeah. Right? See, I've, I've found my answer to that is, and this is easy for me to say as a drummer, because you need me in any of the things I'm about to describe. Uh, you're much better off as a three piece or a five piece. The four piece is the kiss of death. Unless you can argue why are you a four? We're a four piece, but we have a keyboard player instead of a guitar player. Ah, okay. Right. Now I'm interested, but three, five, much better than four. Interesting. Yeah. I like the three piece better. I like the five piece better. The four has always been kind of weird for me. Well, there's a lot more heavy lifting in the three piece. Everybody's got to, you know, fill or leave space yep. in a much more um, 
economical in an economical manner. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, the house rockers are interesting. A, we're a 10 piece band. Sure. That's a, that's a conversation starter. Counts for you or against you, but, but it's a conversation starter. That's that's true. There's some places where I say a 10 piece band, they immediately go to, we can't afford you. That's it. I mean, this happens often. Sure. Uh, We have a five piece horn section different than most. Um, also interesting is that we are rock and soul. So not that anyone's cover repertoire. I mean, I think a lot of people get really stuck that their repertoire is the, is the end all, you know, wait till you, you know, like Bull Durham is one of my favorite movies. And, you know, and he goes, well, he hasn't seen my fastball. Right. I, th- I think it's, you know, a lot of people think their repertoire is such a unique perspective into what makes the world tick. I mean, that's hard, but one of the things that we do unique is we take songs that didn't previously have horns and add horns to them. Sure. And, really cool arrangements too. Um, we have this kind of amorphous energy is, is a hallmark of our shows. That's hard to communicate. I was going to say, sell that. Tell me when you figure out how to sell that verbally, you let me know. I just say it. I, like you said, stop talking. You said we're a high energy rock and soul show. I just, it's, it's just part of the introduction uh, that's for good. how we see ourselves. Right. Yeah. yeah you don't um, dwell on it. You just, right. Yep. And when we're, when we're, uh, when I'm writing a pitch for like the community concert series where they're family events, I'll, I'll say we're a family friendly. Yeah. Right. That type of thing. So yeah, that actually can be a, a a great way to get in. In fact, I just booked us uh, a couple of gigs this summer here in Durham by going down and talking to the new parks and rec director here Uh in Durham. I reached out. I knew, you know, we had done some gigs for him before years ago, but it's a new director. So I reached out, introduced myself to her. She said, would you mind coming down and saying hello? Of course not. You know, so I went down and I said, yeah, family friendly. We do these other family friendly events. Like I, like you said, you point to things that support the argument you're making. And then she was like, all right, well, here's my list of dates. Pick which ones you want. Like, yeah, awesome. That's easy. That's exactly (laughs) it. And you know that what you just described that's kind of my life. You, you find out who it is. You talk to them like a person, not like a um, a target or a prospect, and just say, "Hey, right. I make music in this town, and and uh, you know, here's a little bit about me. If you're the person that hires, can we talk?" And um, there are those that are just so shell shocked. I mean, I know like this thing: the number of bands that are that I'm running, the number of bands that are inquiring, it, they come out of the woodwork. Bands you've never heard of before, and the, the very interesting thing is. If you're a band I've never heard of before, I immediately, I go to skepticism. Right? Oh, well, interesting. Why haven't I heard of you? Like if, if you're doing such good things, how come you're not out there in the scene? So your accomplishments, you know, I think, I think mean something. So when I can say, you know, we, we, we tour the Bay area every summer for the past 17 years, you know, we play in all corners of the Bay area. We can talk, kind of talk about other people like us you know, that, that kind of implies maybe you should, maybe you should see what this is about. So this is interesting. If you are a new band, you should be not only prepared to answer the question, why haven't I heard of you, but you should be answering it proactively. Here's why you haven't heard of us and why you want to. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, you know, I mean, if I'm assuming if you're getting, you know, it's like resumes that come in for, for any gig. And that's what's, that's what this is, right? If you get 50 applications and you've heard, and you have what, I don't know, six slots to fill, eight slots to fill over the summer. Well, you can throw out half those applications and you still got a good pool to choose from. <laughs> yeah. Know? So I don't well, know who you are. I'm not taking a chance on you this year. It's our first ex- year. Sorry. Exactly. Yep. And, and uh, so if it's a band that I don't know who they are, my, my response is this you do have to pay your dues. So I, you know, I tell this story all the time. The house rockers did a year of Wednesday nights for 50 bucks a man playing to nobody. But eventually over the course of time, we built up a little, we got a couple of bigger gigs because of it. Yep. You know, we, we, the show certainly got better for those types of things. So, you know, that would be the other thing is like, even if you're a good player, even if your band is pretty good, you know, to, if you don't have any track record and you don't have any connections, to kind of jump in for those kind of bigger gigs is a little presumptuous. Certainly won't ingratiate you to your scene very much. I mean, not that you're not entitled to give it a shot, but I mean, if you start wanting the best gigs and nobody, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed. I mean, if, yeah. unless you have some ridiculous network of contacts or you've done some good things. So I would and say I, you're painting the picture because it's re it's a real picture of, 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 uh, 
I don't, I don't want to, I don't know if you're any harder to get past than anybody else, but having, having the demand or the expectation that people uh, need to pay their dues first, that's a tough one, right? I'm not saying you're wrong in having that. You're, you're, it's actually fine. You had to pay your dues, but imposing that on these people that are coming in the door means that it, it just adds another one of those questions that they need to answer proactively, right? As part of that, here's why you haven't heard of us. Well, actually you have, right? Our drummer played in this band. Our singer was in this band. This is really kind of a super group. We can all bring people to this thing. I know you've never heard of this band before, but people are going to show up. That's right? a pitch. Right. That's a pitch, but you, you got to take that and turn it into a pitch. Otherwise it's never going to get past you. Yeah. So uh, you're right. So, so, we had to pay our dues for for a number of reasons. We were a new band, even though we were different and all these sure. sorts of things. The world was not beating down our door to hire us, and so <laughs> really? we just yeah. So <laughs> <That's> surprising. <laughs> so we just started playing, to, and you know, figuring musicians play, and you know, a lot of good things happen when you play. And so we took that that road a long time ago. But there are certainly bands where you know they're put together of uh, known entities. I mean, we have a, we have a, I talked about these guys, long train running in my town. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's like a super group. You know, they, they do a, D, a Doobie Brothers tribute. They're all great. They all have great track records from other bands that they play. And that's the, really their core calling card. It's like, you've heard me in, in band X and you've heard me in band Y. Here's my new project. You, you, I, I guess I'm, I'm being a little bit harsh. No, you but you can certainly circumvent the system if you have something to circumvent it with. You've got to have something to say. Yeah. And even if it's look, look, I'm, you know, I'm brand new to the area, but look at what I've, what I did over here. You, you know, I'd love to work with you, blah, blah I, whatever it is, you know, or I've hired these people, it, figure it out, be prepared to answer, answer that question. And if you're brand new, answer it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Have a pitch, have your pitch down. So take the inventory, Refine your pitch, refine it in writing, because a lot of this is done by by email. Mm. Pick up the phone and be persuasive. There was one gig that I wanted to get. This was a long time ago. This was a club that I wanted to get us into. It was a step up and it was a Saturday night gig. And I made the um I made the um uh first contact with the booking woman. And uh, we had a, it was going and then it kind of stopped and went nowhere. And then, you know, some no, not return calls, not return emails. And I literally I called her, got her voicemail and sang a song on the phone and changed the words to something like, you know, please hire me or something like that. Or, you know, I, it wasn't quite as contrite as that or, or as begging as that. But <laughs> you get the idea. It's pretty close. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, you know, hey, and, and uh, just again, being different is one way that you stick out. This is your tool and your craft. So, you know, it is a way to do it. So. Um, you know, you got to stick out. You got to know what your strengths are. You got to be able to communicate your strengths. So identifying is only one step, communicating them in a professional manner. And I'll go back to how I said this before, you know, like what you just described about your local, about your local, but you know, it's a person and sometimes they're music people. Sometimes they're not music people. Sometimes they're business people. Sometimes they're not business people. Yeah. This woman, I, I would assume she's our parks and rec slash athletic director in the, in the town. And my guess is she doesn't play an instrument at all. I, but, right. but, and it doesn't matter. But now that you say that, it's like, oh, yeah, she's not a musician. I don't think. Yeah, but, but, but that's the point is like if yeah. you go talk to a bar owner was on his mind is how much beer are you going to sell for me? If you go talk to a park and rec person, what is probably on her mind is how do I not get fired by getting the wrong band here in here? If I don't, if I don't know someone, you got does my Does my gut and intuition tell me that this person is being straight with me and being cool and someone I would like to work with, I would like to do, you know, I have a little power here. Is it someone I would like to extend that power to? Yeah. So understanding who you're talking to and, and you know, just a good, make karma work for you. Be cool in all, always tell the truth, deliver what you say you're going to deliver, you know, be, you know, be respectful, be appreciative. Yep. Uh, you can be, you can be appreciative without being contrite, you know? Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, no, it's it's more it's more genuine. And, you know, you said it, you, you glossed over it before. So I want to bring it back. Pick up the phone. It, 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 a lot of it, like you said, a lot of this is going to start with email and you've got to be able to compose an email that has like learn how to use punctuation and and a little bit of grammar. I see some people write emails, you know, and it's just a mess. It's like, I don't I don't even remember. Know. It's very easy to to file away an email or ignore an email or, de- yeah. or delete an email. So you're right. You know, th- it is a human business. What we do for a living is, 
is the most human of all things you could say. Yep. If you cannot make a contact with another human being, you're probably going to have a hard time yeah. telling your story. But don't be afraid to pick up the phone when the time calls for it. Uh, you know, pick up the like make that time happen sooner than you think it would. Yeah. Because it, it's like the worst they can say is, hey, look, I'm glad you caught me here, but I'm really busy. Send me an email. OK, great. No problem. I'll send you an email. And now in that email, I get to reference the fact that we just spoke on the phone and I'm doing what you asked me to do without saying I'm doing what you at. Or maybe I am. I'm doing what you asked me to do. I wrote you this email. Love to hear from you and get some dates. It's just, you know, it's e it's too easy in today's world to avoid that personal contact. And um, it's funny, you know, we've had a conversation here for almost 20 minutes about differentiating yourself. And we haven't talked about, I mean, we talked a little bit, I guess, about song lists. We didn't, we, we sort of acknowledge that musicianship can vary widely and may or may not be a differentiating factor. Uh, if you choose to make it one, it will be, you know, if you can attract an audience that cares about that, great. You know, if, if that matters to you, great. Um, but it's interesting. How about visual? You know, like if your band dresses particularly well, a picture tells a thousand is better than a thousand emails. You know, yeah. like, like if you got, and if you are particularly, if you have a great video more and more now, again, video requires a little bit more of a commitment. The person has a internet connection or a phone connection yep. and a screen that'll, that'll do justice to it. But you know, this is why those things like promo kits, you know, it's not the same as it once was where that was the only, you know, it's, it's like we usually point people to a website and more often than not, people are willing to go, but a picture or a great graphic, you know, something clean um, and professional. It doesn't, and then professional again, doesn't mean stiff. Professional just means clean. You yeah. Know, it does, you know, Actually, I, I forgot the, about that for this, for that meeting I had last week, the first email I sent the woman, I found a video that was recorded of us playing at one of the town festivals under a different uh, parks and rec director years ago. And I just sent it to her. I'm like, here, you know, we've played here before here. Essentially here's proof of that. You know, let's move on. And yeah, yeah like you said that, you know, I'm sure that made a difference. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So stick, sticking out is the goal. Ask yourself the question first, what is unique about us? Yeah. Uh, there, there will be something, you know, that you, your mix of personalities, the length of time you've been together. Um, if there's something about your approach, approach to performing that is different. Yep. You know, we have a lot of fun and, and, you know, we may want to make sure our audience has a lot of fun. Again, it doesn't, you're not curing cancer with the, these, with these approaches to it. It may not make you the most unique band in the entire world. It just has to make you enough unique amongst the people that you're, you know, competing with for lack of a better word. Um, what, what are you, what is different about you? What is great about you? Get, get your rap down, get your rap down written and get your rap down verbally. Yep. Uh, back it up. Uh, the reason websites and pictures and videos, they're, they're the first proof. If someone is willing to take another look past or needs to take another look past, it's the next thing you do. So yeah, don't, don't you know. just assume that because you've put all the work in and you are really a great band live. That's not enough. It, you know, I know that going in, but I still tell people like when it when it matters. Oh, yeah, we're five dads from uh, from the Durham area. Oh, that's cool. You yeah. know, oh, that's OK. Which tells a whole different story. Right. It's like, oh, you're part of the community. Your kids have gone to school here. Maybe some of you have, you, you know. Wow. OK, now I feel more comfortable. But, you know, it, it's some bar three towns over. It's like we're three dads from Durham. Yeah, you might want to play them the video first before you tell them that so that they're not just saying, oh, these are guys that, you know, midlife. It's crisis. a dad band. Yeah, dad. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want that. You know what? With the band's called Fling. They're five dads from Durham. Wait a minute. What's going on? You know, so funnily enough, the the band name came from the one guy that was in this band that has no children uh, and his last name is Fling. He's no longer in the <laughs> band. So there you go. Great singer and a great actor, too. Um but yeah, yeah. But, you know, still the name fits for five dads from Durham. For sure. <laughs> Middle-aged guys, you know, it's good. <laughs> so good luck, everybody. You know, there's there's a story to tell and uh, you'll find yours and you'll get in the rhythm of how you tell it. Don't get discouraged. It's all a process of refining and refining and refining. Keep making your product better. Keep making your promotional materials better. And, you know, you should be able to affect your your future, your fortunes with regards to booking your band if you can figure out how to communicate how you stand out.
yeah, just figure it out and, and then do it in a friendly, but persistent way. Persistent yeah. friendliness, I think. is. And that, that's actually, maybe we could end on this here. So I just want to talk about the <laughs> dynamics, the dynamics of that conversation. So, yeah. I'll, you know, there, there's, I'll do anything for a gig. That's probably not going to help you very much. There's, um, there's, we're so great. You're, you're crazy not to think about us. That's probably not going to help you so much. There's a sweet spot in there where you understand they need music and you have music. The basic premise of why you're, why you're in touch is, is intact. You know, yep. th- th- there's a buyer, there's a buyer and a seller, right? Potential and buyer. With, yeah. Well, yeah. no, no, that's a buyer. She's buying it from someone, right? From someone. Yes. Right. So she's going to, right. Yeah. So you got to, you know, the, the premise is that the person you're communicating with needs us, needs a service that you provide and you provide that type of service. Remember that, that it is, it is a conversation. I understand you book music and I'm a local musician. It, you know, you're not having to convince them. No, there's nothing wrong with admitting that. Right. Right. That it it is. Yeah. (laughs) And also you'll get to a point where you're more comfortable about this, where if they say no, you know, you, you'll have the confidence to say, Hey, totally understand. Appreciate your candor. You know, can you tell me what it is about, you know, my pitch to you that didn't work with you and you'll, and you'll get better at it. And, you know, it, it's always a little bit dicey for me when I have to kind of take my day job life and apply it to my band life. Because in my in my fantasy life, they're so different and I don't have to. They're really <laughs> not know, that you know different I mean? at all. Well, that's the thing is I'd like to think that they are because, <laughs> you know, I do it all day long. Do I really want to do it, you know, for this thing that I love doing so much? But this is this is part of it. I mean, chances are the reason do it, you do it in your day job is because you like that, too, though, at some uh, level. Fair enough. Right. I mean, Fair enough. you're good at it. You like that. You're good at it. So there's that. You uh, might as well that. use that. Yeah. So, so the premise is remember you're simply engaging in, in a transaction. She needs something and you have something, you, you know, yeah. the nerves that you may have about that. You're trying to sell something to somebody who doesn't need it. And, you know, and if you don't have confidence in yourself or your product, work on that. But yeah. remember the basic premise for a deal going down here is in place. You know, you found a person who makes the decision who, you know, needs a musical service. You're a provider of a musical service. Let's talk. If you can kind of just let that that concept rattle around in your head, you know, that, you know, this person needs music and I play music. Mostly what happens is that people screw it up because they oversell or they or they, you know, they're so nervous that they kind of fumble the ball away and and they convince the other person that they're not competent just because they can't have a phone conversation. Mostly what happens, if you can get to the person who's doing the bands, you've done about 80% of the work. Now, just tell your story in a, in a compelling way. And, uh, and if it doesn't ring, if it doesn't close, get a little feedback as to why, and then work on your story some more. And remember, your story is verbal. Your story is written by emails. Your story is um, written via promotional material. If you refine this process, if you commit to it, and it's, you know, if, if it's the only way you're putting food on your table, it gets a lot easier to commit to it because you either adapt or you die type yeah. of thing. Well, but, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just, just the best thing I could share with everybody is that if you're talking to a person who hires music, a club owner, right, understand that there's a basis for a win-win there. They need musical, good musical services. You've got good musical services. Let's have a conversation That's about it. that. If you can frame it in your head that way, a lot of the nerves, a lot of the tendency to oversell yourself, you know, this is where that horrible, one of the craziest things, so many musicians are not business people or marketing people, you know, they're creative people and I totally get it. But the number of websites, you know, the Bay Area is premier this, you know, everybody's the premier this self, self anointed premier this, right? We're the premier uh, working (laughs) musicians podcast, Paul. I just, I wanted to let you know that. I didn't know if you'd heard that or not. I've always felt that. I know. Yeah. Same. <laughs> anyway, take a step back. Just chill. It's just a conversation. There's a buyer, a seller. If you're good at what you do, you have a compelling reason to make this a win-win. And maybe that's the best way to end it. Win-win is what we're after. That person has a gig that they need filled by someone who can either sell beer, make families happy, you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Yeah. If you can do that, you know, it's, it's just like presenting your qualifications and you'll probably be ahead of 90% of the bands that are out there kind of fumbling over themselves. I, I hey, do before- have one sales tactic or one piece of, of selling advice to add to this here. Uh, when you're pitching these people and they tell you no, there's two important things to ask them. 
Number one is what you said, Paul, right? Ask them why. And and they might, depending on how friendly and, and how much time they have and all of that, they might give you no answer to that, or they might give you a very long answer or something in between. Um, that can be helpful for two reasons. Number one, it can help you with your next pitch, but it can also help you with them in the future. Because if they've put something, I, I always love it when somebody tells me, here's why I can't buy this from you. Awesome. So all you're telling me with that is I have to fix that one thing or take that one thing away. And now there's no obstruction and you're definitely going to buy from me. They don't, you don't have to say that to them. They've made that contract with themselves when they say that to you. Right. So keep that in mind. And then the, the second question to ask, which is very important is awesome. I appreciate your time. We're going to keep working on this. Can I come back and, and pitch you again in six months, find out a time frame where they agree that you can come back and maybe it's an annual thing where, okay, I know you're booking for your year now. Can I come and talk to you next year? Whatever it is, just ask casually. Can I come and pitch you again next year? Yeah, no problem. We'd love to hear from you again. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Yep. And, but that way, you know what you need to bring to that next meeting. If, if they've given you that thing and it makes it a whole lot easier and it Absolutely. is a sales is a long game. You know, I always say I manage a team of salespeople and I always say, if you get 19 no's out of 20 phone calls, that's a successful day. That's true. So expect true. negativity. Yeah. Good stuff, Dave. Good hey, stuff, before man. we, before we sign off, I, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, uh, Steve French. Uh, he played in black Sunday Roadshow with me. Steve is one of the most professional musicians that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And uh, I just got back in touch with Steve after not talking to him for a while. And he said that um, he enjoys us in the gig gab on his way back from gigs. Steve is a committed country musician. He will travel mo over most of Northern California with this, with this country band he plays in because it's one of the last true country bands around, you know, like, like, you know, real, like old country, you know, Hank Williams type country. And, um, just the concept that, that, and I've heard this from a few other people, the, the Coffus brothers guys shared this with us as well, that, uh, the musicians who are listening to the podcast are listening to it on their way or on their way back from a gig. I think that that's pretty cool. So that's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. When you came up with the idea for this show and pitched it to me, I thought, man, this is what I want to listen to on the way home from a gig. This is it, you know, cause I don't want to listen to music. I, you know, I, but I want something that engages me. And a lot of times it's comedy podcasts or whatever, but this is yeah. much better than that. I agree. Cause we're the premier working <laughs> musicians podcast, Sel the self-anointed premier <laughs> <laughs> feedback so, at giggabpodcast.com folks. That's where yep. you can find us. We'd love to hear from you. It, it's really rewarding. We're getting a little bit more traffic on the Facebook page. More people are liking things and leaving comments. And uh, you know, this is one of the reasons we do this is, you know, to connect with the musical community at large if you're doing something cool, if you like what we're doing, if you have ideas, feedback is the way to get it to us. So we want to hear from you. We do. And visit us on Facebook, too. That's at Gig Gab Podcast over there, or slash Gig Gab Podcast on Facebook. See you next week. Have yeah. a good week, Paul. You too, Dave.